When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. The following podcast contains explicit language. Welcome to Mom and Dad are Fighting, Slate's parenting podcast for Thursday, September 14th, the competitive step-parenting edition. I'm Gabriel Roth, an editor at Slate and the father of Eliza, age six, and Leo, who is three. I'm Rebecca Lavoy. I'm a journalist and podcaster in New Hampshire. I'm mom to Henry, who is 16. I have a stepdaughter, Lily, who is 17, a son, Teddy, who is 14. And for the next three days, I've got a German exchange student who is also 15 named Moritz. This is the last episode in which we'll be hearing about Moritz in the introductions. So let's take we'll this moment, <laughs> hopefully. He's loving America, so he may end up moving in. I don't know. Let's take this moment to, to say goodbye to the Moritz era. Thank the Moritz you. episodes. Yeah. <laughs> and I am Carvel Wallace, a uh, editor and writer based out in Oakland. And I'm the father of Georgia, who is 12, and Ezra, who is 14. Today on our show, we've got a question from a listener who's trying to be a supportive step-parent under difficult circumstances, and Carvel has a surprising update on his son Ezra's new computer. Plus, as always, we'll have triumphs and fails, recommendations, and on Slate Plus, Rebecca will update us even further about her son Henry's love life. There are all kinds of nitty-gritty details that you will not want to miss, so if you're not a Slate Plus member... You can become one at slate.com slash plus. Let's start with triumphs and fails. Carvel, welcome back. Has it been a triumphant time for you or has it been a time of failure? It's been uh, pretty amazingly a time of triumph, I would say, overall. We are one, uh, among the many changes that the kids are facing this year. The son starting high school, the daughter in seventh grade. They moved this summer. They moved in with their mom's boyfriend at a new apartment over by the lake. And there's a, just all kinds of things going down around that. But one of the things that was going to be required is that, um, that when their mom travels, because I, I take them to school every morning, I drive over there from where I live and pick, which is like 10 minutes away, pick them up at eight o'clock and we go. And in the past, the rule was before I was going upstairs and then there was a lot of like yelling and get your shoes on. And that's not going to work because the building they live in, the neighbors don't like that. So I said, look, you guys got to be on the porch at 8 a.m. That's the rule. <laughs> I'm pulling up at 8 a.m. You're on the porch at 8 a.m. And so they were able to do that, which was fine. Then in the next week, the difficulty got increased because their mom had to leave for a business trip on which she is now currently on. And so then it was like, not only do you guys have to get to the porch by 8 a.m., you actually have to set an alarm yourself. Get out of bed yourself. 
make your breakfast yourself, get dressed yourself, get your keys yourself, make sure you have all the things because now my son is walking home from school, so he's now latchkeying it, like all these things. And we felt pretty certain that my daughter could manage it because that has been her brand for as long as she's been alive is like taking care of things and managing things and organizing things. And, but my son has really made a career of being the nutty professor. Like that's always been his shtick. I don't know where my shoes are. I don't know where my thing is. I don't know. I have so many deep thoughts. I can't find my jacket. It's kind of like how I would summarize his <laughs> routine thus far. And his mother and I have gone back and forth about like, well, how much do you force him? And how much do you just throw him in the fire? Like, I'm like, he's going to figure it out. Eventually we all do. And his, you know, and mother's like, but when he doesn't, it's such an inconvenience for us. And we have to make sure these things are in place for him. We've gone back and forth. Anyway, circumstances have made it so that they have to do it on their own, everything. And yesterday was the first day they had to do it on their own. I knew my son who now stays up late because he, he bought a PS4 with his own money. Whole nother story. Um, I knew that he was going to be up late and that it was going to be hard for him to get up. He set his alarm for 6.20 in the morning because he wanted to have plenty of time to make sure that he made it to school. So, of course, by 6.30 in the morning, he was back asleep. <laughs> and so <laughs> and so, I I woke up and I was like, should I intervene? Should I call him and see if he's awake? So, I texted them at like 7.05 and just like, hey, your kid's awake. Of course, my daughter's like, yeah, up and out of bed. And then I don't hear from my son. This is like a group chat. So then I, at about 7.36, before I left the house, I called him. And he, he was like, oh, uh, hey, dad. I was like, are you awake? He's like, yeah, yeah. But clearly, he was not awake. And uh, so the first day, the phone call helped. Then last night, I told him, look, I'm not going to call you tomorrow. You just need to be downstairs at 8 o'clock with the key ready to go. And I had my fingers crossed. I didn't call him. I didn't text him this morning. I just showed up at eight o'clock. I texted them from downstairs. I'm downstairs. Come on down. And lo and behold, here come the kids. Keys, lunches made, shoes, backpacks, homework, everything done. Lock the door, get in the car, and we get to school on time. It was absolutely amazing. I'm so relieved and in love with the fact that my kids are not old enough to f handle so many things on their own that they didn't used to. It's, it's lovely. I'm glowing. That is a beautiful story. Speaking as a guy who for, who has been uh, taking his three-year-old to preschool uh, for this past week, uh, that is a beautiful, beautiful vision of the future. Uh, Rebecca, what about you? Triumph or fail this week? Well, triumph, and I won't go on too long about it because it echoes Carvel's. I'm choosing this triumph specifically because I have listened back to some of our episodes and realized that so many of my fails have been around Teddy. So I feel like I owe him one, you know, like a triumph. <laughs> and uh, similarly, Teddy has been arguing with me for, you know, a year that I let his brother go to bed with his iPhone because he uses it as an alarm and I don't let him do it. And I'm like, that's because you're a screen addict and you'll just stay up all night looking at stupid YouTube videos. Um, and he, the week before school, said, uh, "If how about this week? You let me bring it upstairs to bed and we'll see how I do. And I was like, all right. And he did it. You know, he would come down at seven or said whatever time he had said the night before. So we decided to try it for school. And I don't know how late he's actually staying up. I showed him how to use the um, do not disturb mode. He says he's going to bed at a reasonable time. I don't actually know that is the control you give up when you decide to let take a chance on your kids in this way. And yes, I know that there are other reasons why they shouldn't have their phones in the rooms with them, but that's a separate topic. Um, but he has every single school day thus far come downstairs at exactly 635 
on his own, no extra prompting from anybody downstairs. And I don't know if he's just being stubborn because he wants to show me like, yeah, I can stay up till three in the morning and still do this. But so far, so good. And I think sometimes I think as you're discovering to Carvel, a lot of that stuff we put on our kids that they can't or they, you know, it's his frustration. A lot of it is because we don't just like let them you know, throw them out over the fire and see what happens. And so this is a case where I just decided to let that part go. And so far, so good. And I'm really proud of him. He seems to be taking the responsibility of actually getting up and getting his shit together kind of seriously. So yeah, triumph for Teddy too, along the same lines. What about you, Gabe? What have you got going on? I wish I had that kind of a triumph. Those are both <laughs> triumphs of trust. Those are both yep. cases in which you like take a chance and let the kid uh, give the kid a little a slightly longer leash and they repay your trust with like <laughs> showing up in the morning. And uh I do not have that kind of a triumph. I have a fail of a different order uh which is I failed to get Eliza enrolled in ballet class after school this semester, which she did last year, and she loved it, and she wanted to do it again. And the day registrations opened, it was like a Sunday, and we were all going to the zoo, and like there was just no way I was going to be in front of a computer at the moment when, so I didn't even set the alarm. And then we got home in the evening, and by the time I like log on to the site, then of course the ballet class is full, because these are six-year-old girls, and a large number of them are interested in pursuing during ballet. Uh, so that's a fail. The upside is um, she will be like learning guitar this year, which I, she has wanted to do for a, a while. And I am willing to let her do if she like I made a whole thing about how she really has to practice. And this isn't just about fucking around because I'm worried because you, you watch these cartoons and the cartoon character picks up the guitar and begins like, who and rocking out and I, I, I worry <laughs> that she thinks that that's what playing a musical instrument is but you know no time like the present for her to find out um, so she will be <laughs> taking guitar lessons and we'll we'll see how that goes I'll keep you posted there's a lot of good guitar videos on, on YouTube you know she could if she's if she really likes it I mean it's my son when he played it for like a year or so he was really into it and he learned a bunch of songs by watching stuff on online it was very cool it's like no shortage you can of, do that there's no shortage of pedagogical resources there may be a shortage of like attention span and patience <laughs> for actually yeah. learning to play a musical instrument yeah that's we'll what find i was out. gonna say like one one thing that i like have been kind of amazed by is like how many different interests my kids have had over <laughs> the many seemingly many years because now i'm looking back like i just remembered the other day like there was a cheerleading phase like at some point my daughter <laughs> decided her and her friends were like we want to join like the cheerleading like the city of berkeley had this like cheerleading something or other and they got really into it they were obsessed and her, her mother and i were hand-wringing over this like what is this like how can any daughter that we've written you know like whatever like just a, like total idiots and finally we were like okay we'll do it we'll do it and then she went to like three sessions and then was not interested at all she's done ballet gymnastics she's done She's played this instrument, that there's been trumpet, there's been viola, there's been, you know, and it's like the piano. I just remember that there was a whole piano phase for like a year. These kids <laughs> were studying piano. We're taking them to the guy's house. He's training them. And uh, the point is that rarely does the first thing they pick up stick. It doesn't work that way, at least in my experience and with the experience of the kids that I've seen grow older. It takes a long time for them to find the thing. So, yeah, she probably will be like, well, these chords are really difficult and I don't even care. And then be done with that. Yeah. <laughs> and she'll be on to something else later. And she'll just keep doing that until something's 
That's good advice. It's it's a shame that actual things are much more difficult than just imagining the things. You know what right. I mean? I, I have often found that in my own life, that like imagining the thing was way more fun than actually putting in the work. It sucks. I really enjoyed the fencing phase that Teddy went uh, through last year. <laughs> that was really fun. I'd, I'd go pick him up. He was just doing it because his best friend does it. And I just show up and they were just whacking at each other. Like they didn't look like they didn't look like anybody else in the fencing studio. Everyone else had like a form. They were like hopping back and forth and doing the actual fencing moves. And Teddy and Tommy were just literally just smacking each other with these stupid swords. <laughs> well, the great thing about fencing is that the skills that you pick up in fencing class are like universal, universally applicable in almost every field of life. <laughs> So, if you want to get made fun of. Do, it doesn't matter if he goes into competitive fencing <laughs> or not. That stuff is going to stay with him. That's right. Especially when you haven't listened to a damn thing the teacher has said for a year. Exactly. <laughs> hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right. Uh, we're going to take a question from a listener in just a minute. Uh, but first, we have a little bit of business. Um, the first thing is, if you have a question that you would like us to address on this show, you can give us a call at 424-255-7833. Uh, we would love to have your voice on the program uh, and to address your concerns as best we can. Second of all, uh, if you would like to let us know what you think about this show and to join the conversation around it, you can join our Facebook community at facebook.com slash mom and dad are fighting. Uh, finally, I would like to recommend to you another great Slate podcast this week, the Audio Book Club, in which the great Slate critic Katie Waldman and a rotating cast of critics uh, meet once a month to discuss usually a contemporary novel. Uh, we announce the novel a month ahead of time so you can get read up and then you can listen to the discussion uh, and join in. It's always very lively. It's often very heated. Um, and I always come away having a deeper understanding of the book. This month, they're talking about Conversations with Friends by the young Irish novelist Sally Rooney. It's a great book. I read it over the summer. Uh, it's a love story. It's a story about very young people making mistakes. It's written in a uh, crystal clear literary prose style that is uh, funny, keenly observed. Uh, it goes down easy, but it carries a lot of weight. I am excited to hear Katie and some of her colleagues discussing it on the Audiobook Club, which you can find in the Apple Podcasts directory or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, we've got a question now from a listener in Ottawa, Canada. Hi, Slate. Um, I've been with my boyfriend now for just over a year. He has a four-year-old. She just started school this week. And also, her mom is separating from her long-term boyfriend this week. Um, so I'm just, for the sake of it, I'm going to say that her name is Sophie. Um, Sophie, the little four-year-old, has always seen mom with AJ, his boyfriend that she's leaving. And she's only seen dad either alone or with me. I was just introduced to Sophie's life about six months ago. 
our relationship has gotten really good over the summer. And this morning, uh, I guess she found out last night from her mom that they would be moving away from AJ. And this morning, before going to school, um, she, Sophie did something for the first time ever. She absolutely demanded to Skype with me on the phone. Uh, she's done it before where she's, you know, asked to Skype with her dad about small things, but never a big serious issue like this. And this time she asked specifically to Skype with me. My question for you is, how do I stay a supportive figure, but at the same time not overstepping my boundaries and making her mother uncomfortable? Her life here with us in Ottawa is, you know, different, not necessarily better than her life with her mom, but just different, and that she she will have support in both of her, as she says, her Ottawa family and her Brothville family. Uh, Rebecca, you're a step-parent. Maybe you have thoughts on this. I have so many thoughts on this. I think it's really important to remember that while for the adults, it's an our house, the other house experience for your stepdaughter. I'm just going to call her your stepdaughter for the case, for the sake of my answer, because she is. That's what she is right now. And um, it, she only has one life. She doesn't have two separate experiences the way that you think she does, because sometimes she's with you and sometimes she's with your mom. For her, it's just one big picture. And I think that it is a mistake to try to get her life to fit into those separate boxes just because that's the reality as as one of the adults in the situation, but to acknowledge both to her and among each other that you are all on the same page when it comes to acknowledging that she only has this this one life, this one big picture. Here's what I would do, and I'm giving you this advice because I did it, and it's worked really well. I had a really rocky relationship with my stepdaughter for the first, I want to say, six years that uh, Kevin and I were together, maybe not that long, five, five to six years. And a lot of it had to do with this idea that, like, she's really close with her mom. She has this relationship with her dad. And I'm just kind of on the outside and, hey, I'll be here when you need me kind of thing. And as a result, a lot of the communication was games of telephone, like something would happen to her here that she experienced here that I hadn't know she'd experienced here. And then she goes home to her mom and tells her mom about it. And then her mom tells her dad. And then I hear that Lily was really upset two weeks ago because of this XYZ thing that happened uh, at our house. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with that because I don't want to cross the boundary of, you know, pretending like I'm her mom when she's here because I'm not her mom. And what I was forgetting was that just like for her, it's just one big life. So I decided to completely change the approach. I had to talk to Kevin first and get him on board with this idea that like, I need to start acknowledging this about Lily and I need to open up a channel of communication with her mom directly about her that isn't competitive. That's not about, you know, two moms trying to like win the affection. But that's just like if I think Lily is feeling something or thinking something, can I just reach out to her mom directly and we can just chat about it and then, you know, see what happens. We did that. Uh, Kevin was 
super on board with no longer playing this game of telephone between his ex-wife and I. And she and I started communicating directly. And a lot of that was around like a birthday party that we were planning with Lily. I sort of picked um, like a really positive occasion to start it around. I just sent her a note directly and said, hey, I know we've never really had a lot of direct communication, but... You know, Kevin's terrible at planning things. I'm really good at it. I really want to help out. Maybe we can work together on it. And that really began a whole new era where it was like, we are all on the team of this kid having a happy life. Sometimes we disagree amongst each other about the particulars. Sometimes the relationship dynamics between Kevin's ex-wife and he crop back up and they have spats. But we are now all on the same page that we're sort of on Team Lily. And Lily has totally picked up on it very shortly after this whole birthday party thing. She started talking to me much more candidly about stuff. And now when she's at our house, we have this funny thing where she's like on uh, like on team Rebecca and is always like rolling her eyes at her dad because I think in some ways he's still kind of stuck in that sort of like two parent uh, separate kind of thing. And, um, and and it's not bad. It's just it's just a, a weird way that it's worked out. But I think what you said in this call is what you should express to both your partner and then if he's okay, if there aren't, you know, legal or other relationship dynamics that would make it really uncomfortable for him, for you to communicate directly with her mom and just send a supportive note saying, I know you're having a hard time. Um, I really just want you to know that I want to be there for, you know, your daughter as much as possible. Obviously, you're her mom, but, you know, just so you know, I'm comfortable with her talking to me about stuff. And if I was ever really concerned with anything, I'd let you know, is that okay with you? I think you'll be surprised how receptive her mom might be to that and and how those boundaries can melt away in a way that doesn't puts everybody in a more comfortable place. Yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah, this, this step parent stuff is obviously super layered and we're, we're just now beginning to really experience that. I mean, each of us since our separation has dated other people, but no one has really been super involved in the kids' lives in a significant way. And, until recently, I would say it was a brief period when someone I was dating was kind of involved, but wasn't. She, she was, but wasn't. Um, but there was definitely never a sense that there was a. It's it's the point is they've reached a new level by moving in with uh, my ex's boyfriend, and actually, on topic, he and I had our first kind of like actual discussion last night where we had to air out some things that he thought I was maybe thinking and I thought he was maybe thinking, you know, it was like one of those things, all very good, all very cordial. One of the things I did remember to say during that, which is something I had talked, said to Joe when she had kind of like sort of brought up yet. Yeah, yeah. Maybe like it would help for the two of you to connect is that the realization that everyone involved kind of like what Rebecca said is a good person and is on the team of everything working out that that was really helpful. I know that not everyone has that. I know that we have that. So whatever like disagreements or doubts or concerns or like, oh, I thought it was weird when you did this or, you know, that kind of, those things should be held um, in uh, comparison to the much larger truth that everyone involved, all the adults are rational, honest, caring, loving, forward, you know, minded people who want the kids to be happy and want everything to work out. So that's all good. So we don't have to take any of this stuff too seriously. And then we can work out the particulars without feeling like everything is at stake. So that was, that was a great conversation to have. One of the things that I really felt, and I don't know why I felt this, but listening to the caller that I felt was that the, the role, and I could be way off on this. So take this with a grain of salt. This is just my impression. 
that the role of this person who called, who I can tell has a lot of love and feeling about this situation and this child, that it felt almost to me like the role of a supportive, caring adult in a kid's life, as opposed to a second mother. It actually reminded me of the therapist at my kid's elementary school. There was this great woman who was a therapist at my kid's elementary school. Kids would come to her office. She would talk to them about their stuff. And she would bring things up to us in a way that didn't feel like I have a huge agenda here. It's more like I'm just trying to trying to be a safe place for the kid to talk. That that's really my only goal. And most importantly, a, a safe place for the kid to receive messages of love and support at moments that they need it. And then that that's it. That that's the main thing. And I don't know why, but that really, I really felt like found myself thinking about this elementary school counselor when I was listening to this person's call, because I feel like that's almost what she could and wants to do, which is really just to communicate. So the, her question was, how do you do this? How do you be there for a kid in this situation? And so I think that the way to be there for a kid of this age in this situation is to be clear about what your role is. And I would suggest that the role is to be a good listener and a giver of love and support to the kid. That that's really the only role. It's not to like give the kid the answers. It's not to tell the kid what to do. It's not to tell the other parents what to do. It's not to make sure that that's, this is what I would say. It's not to make like, make, make sure the mom handles it right. It's not to be the better house. It's not to be the other house. It's to be a place a space for that kid to say some things that they need to say and to hear some loving, supportive things they need to hear. And I think just focusing on that will will give you clarity and will help this child a lot because I can tell you love and care for her. Those are both great. Uh, you guys have said most of the, the important stuff to say. I think the one thing I would add is it might be helpful right now to come up with like a very clear set of practical expectations of how you're going to stay in touch with the kid to get in touch with the kid's mom and say, hey, I am planning to do this, this, and this. Does that sound okay? And then to uh, compulsively follow through on that set of expectations. So like while the kid is in another town, then maybe you say, I would love to video conference with her every two weeks. I would love to Skype with her every couple of weeks. I would love to send her a letter once a month asking her how she's doing and and letting her know that we still think about her. And then if the kid is going to come for a vacation with her dad and, and with the caller, um, then you can, you know, frame that around like, and then when I see you in the summer, then we're going to go to the playground or then we're going to go and do this really fun thing. And I'm excited to see you. Um, but just to get clear on like, well, here's what the relationship is going to look like now that they're in different places and, and establish that for yourself and establish that for the mom. And then you can establish it with the kid. Hey, I'm going to write you letters. And I, if you ever want to write me a letter and draw a picture and send it to me or talk to me on Skype, then, then I would love to do that. Um, and if everybody is on the same page about this sort of formal mechanisms of communication, uh, it probably avoids some amount of struggle and maybe some anxiety for the kid. That's my one other suggestion. Yeah, I, I don't know if I would keep it that formal. I mean, I think text, like something very casual, can work very well. Um, I don't oh, know yeah, I don't mean formal. Was, I don't mean yeah. formal like it has to be fancy. I just right, mean for, I, I just mean like the the the, <laughs> the external circumstances of the communication. Yeah, if the kid, mm. I think this kid is too young to text. Maybe right. But I don't she's know typing, what age. So who knows? <laughs> yeah, I don't know what age they get texting in Canada. 
Um, but whatever <laughs> whatever medium is right for you to, to communicate with the kid, just like set out what the expectations are, how you're going to be in contact and how often and so that everybody's on the same page with that. I just want to add one more thing is, is that um, Carvel's circumstances and sort of, I think, the very, very peaceful co-parenting relationship as he characterizes it. It's and it sounds very much Carvel, and I, I don't know, you know, how much of this is just how little I know you. It sounds very much like you and your ex have been completely committed to that since you guys broke up. That is very, very unusual. I mean, yeah, I that's have literally, now, that's literally the thing I was just going to say. That's exactly. Yeah, what I, I, yeah. I have multiple step situations in my family. You know, um, with between my kids and ha- I grew up in a step family situation, and my kids have multiple combinations of parents and fluidity, and and they've gone through lots of changes. And it is so hard not to, at some point, and in some little lizard part of your brain, be that competitive one trying to win. Like, I want the kids to want to be here more. I want the kids to love us more. This is why there could be a whole podcast about step parenting, frankly, because Mm -hmm. that dynamic does really inform a lot of these issues. And one of the reasons why it took me like five or six freaking years to just get in touch with Lily's mom directly. Well, one of the reasons was because I was with her ex-husband and that was uncomfortable in a relationship <laughs> like sense. But also because I like this caller was like, I the last thing I want to do is make her feel like I'm competing. P.S. I was competing when I said that was the last thing that I wanted to do. Like I was just trying yes. to be cooler than that. Right. Yes. Like it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> and when I yeah. let that shit go. Like the competition part just went out the window. Like it stopped. Like I stopped yeah. feeling that way, and that, and I stopped having to hide feeling that way. And it's just it is that is a dynamic. And I almost think that acknowledging it's a dynamic and and letting that inform whatever choices you make here. Um, and even if you're not the one feeling, even even if it's your partner that's feeling it, um, acknowledging it really does help let it go and get you to that place where you are you're a team working together. Yeah, I actually have to, I mean, that's literally the thing I was going to say because, and I, I don't, I know that you're always, you guys are always joking about our peaceful, like post divorce life, but I mean, we, we got here. We didn't start here. Our marriage didn't mm. end. And then the very next day we were like, and now we can peacefully coexist. Like it was very <laughs> painful and very uncomfortable and everyone behaved in ways that they later had to apologize for <laughs> and make amends for. And, you know, and so it's been seven years. So we, we got here because we were committed to it, but being committed to something and knowing how to actually do it are two separate things. And so we were, although we were super committed to having, you know, to being like a, a fully functioning co-parenting uh, separated marriage, we didn't know how to specifically how to do that. We've had to learn a lot. And yes, the competition thing is great. I was just thinking about this this morning because I bought this new car last week. You guys know all about it. And then I was thinking about how, and that because Joe's out of town, my car's in the shop, I'm driving Joe's car. I remember when she bought that car in 2000, I'm going to say 11. And I had an old car, which was our minivan. And this was the new car that she bought. And I was so jealous. I remember being so jealous, so mad and uncomfortable that like the kids are like, mom's car, mom's got a new car. Her stereo system is so cool. Dad, mom's car has a sunroof. When are you going to replace the van, dad? Like that. Was so personally wounding to me, and yeah, I know she totally. was on her purpose, but that was there. My point, and we had that with like apartments that I moved into a place, then she moved into a place, and you know her place was nicer, and then I, you know, whatever. We've gone through all of it, so this is not to say that's not there. The thing I was going to say to add to what Rebecca said is that 
I feel like a lot of what we're talking around is that we don't know how jumpy or touchy the mother is about this stuff. And that's something that I feel like you have to figure out when you're this, this like step parent, because it, it is normal. And, and like Rebecca saying, and even maybe even right or unavoidable that if you're the, are the parent and then there's the step parent that you are bristling at any suggestion that the new person is somehow cooler, better, nicer, friendlier, more whatever than you. Um, my son teases me about that with, with Jeff, this guy that they just moved in with the other day. He was like, yeah, I was, we were playing Frisbee the other day. I was like, wait, who, who were playing Frisbee? Just trying to clarify who we're talking about. He was like, me and dad. Oh, I mean, Jeff. And he was like making my chain, <laughs> but he's like making a joke about it. That's he, ice you know, cold. He's, he's, you know what I mean? But that's his right. So like he knows that that's, and I don't even have that, but I kind of have that. Like when he told me, you know, dad, Jeff is actually really cool. And then he kind of like told me his whole biography. I was like, that's great to hear. But a part of my brain was like, that doesn't sound that cool to me. Like, that's not that cool. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, you're right, Rebecca, it is there. And it's, the point isn't for it to not be there. The point is we learn over time how to skillfully behave in such a way that those lizard brain things don't actually control our behavior and make us cause damage. But without knowing where the mother is at with regards to this, you do have to be careful and you have to find out how touchy she is, what presses her buttons, what makes her feel like you're trying to outmother her because that's going to just cause more chaos. You know? That's right. That's right. And if the mother says, I don't want you talking to my daughter right now, then don't talk right. to her daughter right now. You have to defer. That's exactly right. <laughs> you have yes. to. And the only <laughs> yes. way you'll get to a place where she is cool with it is if you defer. You're not going to get yes. there by pushing. Like that's just not that's the right. way it works. All right. Uh, thank you for the call. I hope that was helpful. Please uh, give us a call or send us an email and uh, let us know how it goes. Good luck. Nickelodeon's got your preschoolers covered from sunrise to bedtime with four brand new podcasts. Grab their backpack and go on a culinary quest with Dora's Recipe for Adventure. Make game time great time with Let's Guess Who with Josh and Blue. And tuck in for adventure with Nickelodeon's Goodnight Bedtime Stories. Plus, we've got a brand new season of Storytime with Josh and Blue. Search Nickelodeon on your favorite podcast app to listen. Okay, moving on. Longtime listeners will remember that a few months ago, Carvel gave his son Ezra uh, a used computer and was met with not unequivocal delight. There's an update to that situation. Carvel? Yeah. There is. So he, so he didn't actually buy it for himself. He, it was something where we knew that he was going to in some way acquire a computer of his own, which he has not had. And he's entering high school and we were like, okay, we're going to get the computer. And what we ended up doing was I gave him my computer and then I bought a new one. Uh, and he got my old one. So I got, I wiped it clean for him and hooked it up and made, and of course, I mean, this is the problem with kids now that he really wanted, he, when he found out he was getting a quote unquote old computer, he was like, Oh, that's, that's cool. That I, I just, no, I just thought maybe I was going to get like a new, like he wanted like a brand new MacBook with like a touch bar and all this stuff. And I'm just like, he's like, I, you know, he wanted like a $2,000 <laughs> like workstation. And I'm like, but you don't do any work. So how, how is this justified? <laughs> so, but in any event, so we went, we were back and forth about it. We, his mother and I gave him some stern talking to's about, 
appreciation and gratitude and how money works. And boy, if you don't, you know, we gave him a few of those and he calmed down and eventually got very grateful. Thank you so much, dad. I really appreciate this. This is wonderful. I'm so happy. I'm, I feel so lucky to have this in my life. Fine. Saying all the right things. You get in the computer. Meanwhile, he goes on and takes his money that he's been saving and acquiring through birthdays and Christmases and grandparents and selling shoes. He likes to f- flip shoes by like fancy sneakers and then sell them on eBay for a profit. So he makes, he's, makes a little money. So he did that and he bought himself a monitor and he bought himself a, a PlayStation and he's got a little desk and he's really got his little workstation set up. Great. So the other day he calls me after school at about 4.30 and I said, Hey son, how's it going? He said, well, dad, I, I don't know how to say this. And I said, well, son, if you don't know how to say something, you should just say it directly. And he said, okay, I'm going to try that. He said, I was sitting on the couch with the computer on the arm of the couch, and I had the earbuds in, and I wanted to get up to get some juice, and I forgot the earbuds were in, and the computer, when I stood up, flew off the arm of the couch, landed on the ground, and smashed the LCD screen to the point where it's not usable anymore. And I said, phew. Man, that sucks to be you, man. (laughs) 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 And he said, (laughs) and he said, well, like, so is there like Apple care or warranty protection? And I said, no, let me, let me explain to you something about warranties. They don't want to fix your computer. So if they have any cause not to pay you out anything, they're going to find it. You dropping your computer on the ground and destroying the screen because you were getting up to get some like orange juice. Apple Care doesn't care about that. They're not going to cover it. I mean, we can try, but I was like, it's not going to be my first priority. So I was like, I got actual work to do. I'm not going to spend three hours on the phone with Apple Care anytime soon. So, but we finally did do it. Apple Care was like, <laughs> sucks to be you guys. So that was the end of that. And, um, so the computer still works, but the screen is all jacked up. And we were sitting in his room and he was taking in this news, this like reality that like this big ticket item, this prized possession had through his own human error now been rendered effectively useless. And he was dealing with the weight of that. But you could see that he was still thinking, well, my parents will bail me out somehow. Like they'll, they'll pay to get the screen fixed, which is like $600. So no, or they'll maybe they'll get me a new one. Or he just, you know, and he, I was watching him realize that he wasn't going to have a new one. And then he said, he's, he was like, to get this, I was like, to get the screen repair is going to cost you anywhere between four hundred and six hundred dollars, depending on where you go. He's like, I don't have that kind of money. I'm like, you do have that kind of money. <laughs> He's like, I don't have that kind of money. Where? I'm like, look under your desk. There's a PlayStation that you just bought with all the money that mm. you saved. And he was like, wait, you're saying I should sell my PlayStation? I was like, I'm not saying you should or shouldn't do anything. I'm saying you have the money. It's right there. You get to decide what to do with it. And the look on his face, you know, in some ways we're always hoping our kids grow up and then the moment they actually do it is so satisfying i was <laughs> like that's right son this is a real life grown up situation i wish you the best of luck and i walked out of his room <laughs> oh, and uh we haven't talked about it since. And I think that I don't, I mean, I don't know what he's going to do. And the best part about this is I actually don't care what he's going to do. It's his. I mean, we didn't, it's not, it wasn't his money originally, but he's been staked with this money, which is something I explained to him. I was like, you know, your life is now you've been staked by your parents. Like the money that you, even the money you got 
to do the PlayStation. And you didn't earn that money. That was money that you were given by just your know, grandparents and kids. And the shoes that you sold, you didn't buy those shoes with your money that you earned from your job. We paid for those shoes and then you did what you did with them. So you've been staked by your parents, but at a certain point, the, you know, the investor funds start to dry up and you have to start showing profit on your own. And <laughs> you're reaching the, you're reaching that point. And I, and there was another moment that night where he laid in his bed and kind of stared at the ceiling. And I said, it's a little scary to think about growing up, isn't it? And he said, yeah, I don't, I don't think I'm ready for it. And I was like, well, the good news is it does happen in small pieces. So, mm. you know, it's not going to happen all at once, but yeah, this is the beginning of it. So that's where we are with the computer. As of now, the screen is still busted. He has figured out a workaround because he figured out how to run the computer through a monitor without using the secondary screen. So he actually, it's it's effectively not going to impact his quality of life at all. So I don't think he's going to sell the PlayStation. I think it's just going to soldier on through. And uh, that's where we're at. What's the over-under on when he's going to start a GoFundMe to get a new computer <laughs> or a screen fixed? <laughs> Yeah, I'm surprised he hasn't gone to the gram with this yet. He might. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, time now for recommendations. Rebecca, what are you going to recommend? Well, earlier in the show, you talked about the triumph of trust that you hadn't yet experienced with your kids. And, you know, frankly, I think it's because your kids aren't quite old enough yet to have that kind of... No, yes. who, who would be such a fool as to trust them? <laughs> They're completely untrustworthy. I don't know. Or maybe it's just you. I, I don't know. Um, but I had, a, I had a big one this past weekend. Uh, I took Henry and our wonderful German exchange student Moritz to New York City for an overnight. We stayed at my sister's apartment. She wasn't there at her apartment. So we just sort of were, like to, got to pretend that it was ours for an overnight, which is really fun. It was very generous of her. And um, Henry was really interested in just like bopping around doing stuff on, completely on his own with Moritz. And it, we've been to New York a lot. It's kind of where I'm from originally. Uh, my sisters lived there in in Manhattan for many, many years. So like he's familiar with just sort of like how the street system works vaguely. And he's also the kind of kid that pays attention. But um, here's my recommendation. I mean, if you have a if you're a maybe suburban or even slightly rural person like we are and you go to a place uh, at your and your kid is interested in in really showing his German exchange student the time of his life because Moritz was so cowed by just being in New York. Um, put Uber on his phone and stick it on your credit card and just let him go. That's what I did. And they had the most extraordinary, like you could probably, if you could watch the film of everything they did, you could probably turn it into an epic, awesome montage with like music and stuff because they like basically traversed the entire island of Manhattan up, down and sideways. They walked all of Central Park. They went to Times Square. They went to the top of the Empire State Building. They went way uptown uh, to get lunch on the west side. They went all the way down to Battery Park so that Moritz could see the Statue of Liberty. My Uber bill was astonishingly high, um, <laughs> but I would say it was really worth that one experience of just seeing you know, how he could get around around on his own. Could he navigate it? Could he deal with an app and a piece of technology and, and cars? Like he's never done an Uber before, like by himself. Or I don't even think he's done it with his parents. We don't, we don't have it where we are. Um, and he figured it out. And it was for me a great test, especially as we're entering potential college visit time that, yeah, like it is possible I could maybe send him to do some college visits on his own, which I, I know parents do. But 
I had no idea if we'd be able to do that. And so the way to do that was just to put the old Uber on his phone and tie it to my credit card and not the family version, the standalone version, and just let him go. So that's my recommendation. Give it a shot. Go for the triumph of trust and just pray your kids don't get mugged when you do because um, it probably won't happen. Nice. I'm going to recommend the New York City public transit system. It's cheap, <laughs> efficient, affordable. That was, that was a gets step you too anywhere far for me. in the city. Wow. Yeah, there was, are that, handy that was a little bit of a step too far for me. Shade. <laughs> hey, listen, listen. It was the first time. It, this Josh was my this was my like bridge step, Gabe. Cut me some slack. No, no, sure. No, if if your kids are visiting from the suburbs with a German exchange student, <laughs> you might want to use Uber too. I'm <laughs> I'm gonna recommend some music. I'm going to recommend some music by a singer-songwriter named Walter Martin. Uh, he has an album called We're All Young Together, which is a an album of children's music, and it is lovely and a joy to listen to. He, he, is a, he used to be in the indie rock band The Walkmen, and he now he has a, some adult singer-songwriter albums, but he also has some kid-friendly singer-songwriter albums. There are songs about going to the zoo. There are songs about going to Costa Rica. There are all sorts of child-friendly songs, but they are arranged in a way that makes them sound like real music, and you don't feel like you're listening to crap that is only appealing you don't to, want to kill to yourself you don't want to kill yourself <laughs> some some of it is extremely catchy and and um beautifully observed and and uh candidly arranged and if you're a fan of um the walkman especially but also if you just need something to listen to this isn't the moana soundtrack uh i recommend we're all young together by walter martin and then he has another kids album out too uh the name of which i do not remember um walter martin carvel what do you recommend I'm recommending uh, the movie Holes, the Disney film, starring a young Shia LaBeouf before he went to whatever place he lives now in his head. <laughs> um, Holes is a is a is a kind of an interesting, kind of realistic, somewhat gritty <laughs> youth prison story. Believe it or not, which is actually a kids movie. It's it's about a bunch of kids that are sentenced to like work at this like work camp for wayward youth. There, I would say ages for this are like maybe 10 and up, you know, 11, 12, depending on. And it's, uh, and then they, all these kids sort of like hate each other, these boys, and then they begin to understand each other and realize they have a common enemy, which is the greedy developer. And they've all been sentenced for something that, uh, they should be sentenced for. And so it's like, uh, I mean, it's a bonding film. It's, it, but it deals with like, it does with pretty heavy topics, but I think it's an, an, an emotionally intelligent movie. And I remember we haven't seen it in a while, but I just remembered this morning that when we watched it, both my kids were really fascinated and in love with it. And uh, so that movie is Holes, the old Disney film. I think it's from 2003. If you have kids tending up who like things with some kind of real character and emotional depth to it, I recommend giving this one a shot. Nice. And that's our show. If you've got a question that you would like us to handle, give us a call at 424-255-7833. Uh, you can let us know what you think of the show or of the topics that we discussed on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash momanddadarefighting. This episode of our show was produced by Dan Schrader. For Carvel Wallace and Rebecca Lavoy. I'm Gabriel Roth, and we'll see you next week. 